Merry Christmas. Um, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I am so glad that we get to spend this evening together. Uh, we are uh, here uh, in a unique position, because it's January 1st, to kick off uh, 2017 in a community body. And I, am, I really can't think of a better way to do it than to be here uh, with my brothers and sisters in Christ as we launch into a new year and ask God what he has for us. Uh, and so tonight, I hope that we all get to uh, experience the opportunity to ask God to lead us as we entrust our hearts to him this year uh, by worshiping together, reflecting together, uh, praying together, which we'll be doing um, more of later, and just inviting him into it. I don't know what last night was like for you. I don't know what right now feels like for you. I don't know what the idea of a new year feels like to you as you think about Man, 2016 was hard. Uh, maybe it was really good for you. Um, maybe it was really bad for you. But regardless, we're launching into something new. And I don't know where you're coming from, but regardless of what that looks like, I pray we can all come together and ask God what he has for us this year. Now, um, if you're like me, hopefully you're familiar with the idea of New Year's resolutions. Uh, when I, I actually remember when I was a kid uh, typing out on my parents' 386 on, I think it was like children's publishing program or whatever, uh, titled New Year's Resolutions, uh, probably when I was like you know, 8, 9, or 10 years old, and, and wishing things for my coming year, wanting new things, something different, something unique for it. And I was... Uh, you know, wishing for the normal 10-year-old things, like I, you know, I want to be kinder to my brother and sister. I want to be uh, nice to my mom and dad. I want to, uh, maybe, maybe like, I want to read my Bible more. Maybe it was like, I want to be healthier. Uh, maybe it was, I want to be better with, you know, saving things so I can buy what I want. Uh, those things sort of uh, <laughs> relate to all ages because they just become bigger. We become bigger. Uh, and those things that we need to uh, watch over become um, more significant, even though, uh, they are big to us at that time. But I bet if we are honest with ourselves, um, we've broken some of them. And they didn't go super well. And we look at New Year's resolutions probably with a really nasty taste in our mouth. At least I do. In fact, a recent poll shows that 45% of, of Americans uh, set New Year's resolutions. They, uh, they make them. They want to have something. They look towards the year and like, I want this to be different. And if you look up online, like what are the most common New Year's resolutions, immediately you'll see that the most common New Year's resolutions which are commonly broken. Because New Year's resolutions, they don't work. And they don't work because it's us coming to uh, ourselves at the beginning of a new period in our lives and saying, okay, what, what, what didn't work and how can I make this better? Or, or what, what was wrong with this that I can, I can make a better version of myself? And that's the problem with resolutions. They are about what we want to do differently. They are about what we want the new year to look like. They are how we are going to create this better version of ourselves. And if you've been here at this church for any period of time, I pray that you know that is not the gospel. The gospel, as Matt has said to us a number of times this past year, is that you are way worse than you think you are. And, and if you if you like me and you're like, yeah, I know, I'm pretty bad. It's like, no, it's worse than that. 
You don't have a clue. We don't know how bad it is. We don't know the depths of it. And yet, in spite of all of that, God loves us. He knows every bit of it, way more than you do. And he loves us just the same. And that's the entirety of the gospel, that you are more sinful than you could ever imagine. And yet, in spite of that, you are more loved and accepted than you would ever dare hope. And we know that especially in this Christmas season because we get to look at what he just did for us. We spent the last month preparing our hearts for asking God, help us to step into the season. Help us to get ready for your coming because we knew that his coming changed everything because he loved us. And he did. He came for us. He came. He gave everything for us. But now the question is ultimately raised. Now what? It's Christmas. It's Christmas time. For those of you who don't know, we are in the middle of the Christmas season. It's a 12-day season. That's why the song is the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, it's, a, it's a season celebrating the coming because Advent is the preparation for the arrival. So Christmas is the celebration of the coming, and we'll get into Epiphany uh, in, a, in a few days. But right now, we're here celebrating. He came. The reality of his coming happened. What does it mean for us? And especially... In this culture, how should we approach our new year? Now, I said that we are not uh, talking about resolutions. We're not talking about you coming up with what you need to do better to make this year work for you. I think a lot of us, at least myself, uh, I had this period of my life where like resolutions didn't work and I just kept trying and things always failed and um, some worked, some worked. I mean, you know, you have enough willpower, you can do anything. Uh, but I kind of threw away the baby with the bathwater. I'm not a planner, by the way. If you don't know me, um, I'm not organized. Uh, I don't prepare things. Uh, I prepared this, don't worry. Um, I, don't, I don't think ahead typically. Uh, for some reason, um, in the past couple of days, twice this question's been asked about... Um, are you a future, past, or present kind of person? Like the way you live your life, where do you experience it? I'm a present person. I love the present. I experience everything in the right now, but I don't do so much of the next later stuff. Fortunately, my wife handles a lot of that for me. But uh, the problem is, is, I think I looked at New Year's resolutions like, well, that's a miserable failure. I'm never doing that again. Why plan? Why set goals? Why even try? And the Bible actually talks a lot about planning, about purpose, about preparation. See, the Bible is full of references to these things, and he wants us not just to prepare things and plan things. He wants us to bring him into the equation. So we're going to look at a parable real quick. Uh, if Luke 12, if you have your Bibles, that'd be great. Open them up to Luke 12. We're going to start in verse 16. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on the screen with me. But I want to look at a passage where Jesus is, is uh, sharing this parable with, uh, with a crowd of people, inviting them into his wisdom that he'd share in these stories. And starting in verse 16, I think this really relates to where we are as a people. Starting in verse 16, it says, uh, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. 
And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I find it interesting uh, that in this parable, what is being condemned isn't necessarily what I would have assumed. Uh, he is not being condemned for having. He is also not being condemned for planning. No, what he's being condemned for is not considering God. He is, he, is being, he is thinking ahead, okay, how do I handle this? But rather than asking God or inviting him into the process or, or having any thoughts of how he could use this for God, he just starts acting and God calls him a fool. You see, the Bible is full of stories and proverbs pointing people to the need for planning, for preparing, for uh, setting goals, and, and, and looking to him and saying, God, what do you have for me in this? And I know that I'm prone, I'm way more inclined not to plan. And I think it has a lot to do with how my life has turned out. If you know anything about my story, um, God's been really kind to me over really big decisions. Like I, uh, I applied to one college that I had never visited and I got in and I was like, great, I'll go there. Um, by the way, kids, college is a big decision. <laughs> um, talk to people, parents, youth pastors, youth coaches, those sorts of people. They would love to help you think through that. But I got in, and so I was like, great, this will be a good, uh, good, uh, good move. And it, it has shaped the rest of my life. Uh, the only house we put an offer on my entire life, we got. And the house has been a humongous blessing. And God is so kind that it just just worked out. I've only asked one girl to marry me, and she said yes, and that's going great. <laughs> so I have this track record of not needing to plan because God is so kind to me. But the older I get, and I'm not old, but I know this, I'm only 33. The older I get, the more I learn that I really need to, and there's a humongous benefit to thinking through things, to inviting people in, and ultimately to asking God, God, what do you have for me? So the, the passage we just read relates to us, I think, more than we can think, not because we have more, which we do. We live in a very prosperous culture, and there is a lot to be said about having extra and what we are called to do with it as followers of Jesus Christ. But I don't want you to hear that and then start thinking out of compulsion and guilt. Oh, I should be doing this differently. Oh, my life isn't looking the way I want it to. Oh, yeah, he's right. I, I'm not giving enough. I'm not in my Bible enough. I'm not, you fill in the blank. It's not about guilt. It's not about compulsion. It's about coming to our knees and begging God, please, what do you have for me? There's a number of verses uh, that as I was uh, studying this week and preparing for it that just came to me, and most of them are in Proverbs, but I think they're really helpful. Proverbs 16.9 says, the heart of man plans his way. Like, we plan our ways in our hearts. It's just the way we were created. But the Lord establishes his steps. Only a few verses before, he says, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. This is Proverbs 19, 21. But it is the purpose 
of the Lord that will stand. And lastly, verse, uh, verses 30 and 31 of chapter 21. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. I love this part. But the victory belongs to the Lord. These passages all point us to a place where there's something inherent about us, and some are better than others, that we are creatures who plan, who think ahead, who prepare in some way, shape, or form. Again, some stronger than others. But that last part, I think, is really significant because the idea of God's sovereignty, we as a church hold very firmly. In fact, if you were here uh, a number of weeks ago, Art taught on the sovereignty of God in the second week of the catechism, which is, what is God? And hopefully you all know the answer because you've all been keeping up in your catechisms during Christmas. God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He's eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, justice, wisdom, and truth. This part is key. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. So we have the sovereignty of God under, our, under control, right? Like, as if you could grasp that. We have the sovereignty of God, like, yes, that is true. And yet there is something in each of these Proverbs that points to our action, to our taking uh, a step in the right direction and asking him, okay, I'm going to start doing something, but what do you have for me? And I love that last passage. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. That's what we do, but the victory belongs to the Lord. The result is always in the Lord's hands. So what do we do with this? What do we do with these realities that we are called to plan, but that everything ultimately rests in God's hands as far as what's going to happen? And I've always loved this passage in Psalm 37. In verse 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's where we start, guys. We start by delighting ourselves in the Lord, by our hearts being poured into enjoying him, loving him, being in connection, connected relationship with him. Because in that, we actually are given his desires. He actually puts the things in us that we then become to want. Not because he gives us what we want, but because he puts desires in us. And all of a sudden, the things that we want are the things that God wants. But then the next verse is is great because it points directly to what we should do with it. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. By delighting myself in the Lord by trusting in him, by spending time with him, by by coming to him, he will put things in my heart and he will do things in and through me. It's, it's It's all about trusting him. It's all about remembering that he's ultimately the one who's in control. In James, you might be familiar with this passage, there's an audience being condemned for making plans outside of the will of God. And what does he say? They are exhorted saying, instead of this, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And so this is why I'm really excited that we're here tonight, guys. I am, like, I am, I was, as I was thinking of this week, realizing, like, this is a really cool way to start the year. I was thinking, what better way for us to start 2017 than by praying, by silencing our hearts, by just stopping for a few minutes and asking him, God, what do, you, what do you have for me? I got a chance to preach about a month ago on Mary, and I loved her response when she was confronted with this really big ask. All she said was, 
Let it be to me according to your word. I am the servant of the Lord. And then the next week, Matt Miller got up here and talked about Joseph's response. And he had that idea of a sheet of paper where at the top you have like your lists and goals and everything you want to see happening. And then he signed it. And he realized like, that's not the way this works. The way it works is you say, what God has for me. And then you get to leave the sheet blank. You get to sign it and say, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want me to be about? And I think this is a beautiful way to start 2017. Not because I want us to all come here and be like, okay, what resolutions are we going to make? Because that's not what it's about. But I, be, I believe that if we start looking at our year and start thinking of all the things that we actually want God to do in our lives and around us, and not just the things that we want to get done, though that's important too, we got to start here. We have to come to a place where we look and see him, he is the one who is sovereign over all these things. What? What does he have for us? So the questions, like we're, we're going to be praying in, in a few key areas. We're going to be praying in the direction of um, your family, your marriage, your relationships. If you're single, your relationships with people around you and what God wants to do with your singleness. We're going to be praying in the direction of our relationship with God. God, what is, maybe this is a year you have a Bible reading plan. Norma Street just put something on, this, on, the, on the city that I was, I was planning on doing as well. It's uh, the Bible Project. It's a phenomenal resource. It is a beautiful way of walking through the Bible and helping kind of things come to life and connect the pieces of the unified story of Scripture. What has God had for you with your disciplines? We're going to be praying in the way that we use our time and our money. What does your schedule look like? What do you do in your free time? How do you use your, your budget, your finances, your generosity? And then lastly, we're going to be praying as far as like our calling, our vocation, which has a lot of pieces to it. It might have a lot to do with your job. I pray it has a lot to do with your job. It might have a lot to do with your role in your family. And, and we're going to be talking about this as a church starting next week. What does it have to do with your role in God's kingdom, with your living on mission? So as we come before him, I, I pray that we can ask, Lord, what do you have for me? It might, it might be things like eating healthier and taking care of your body. It might be things like saving and spending wisely and getting out of debt. It might be things like uh, taking, you know, balancing your work and your home life or taking more time with your family. It might be the sorts of things that you see on New Year's resolutions, but it's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. And so that's what we're going to be doing now. For the next 10 minutes, privately, by yourself, we're, just gonna, we're going to give you some space. And every two minutes or so, I'll, I'll lead us into the next portion of it. And we'll get to spend some time just praying. And I, I, would, encourage you, it, I would encourage you not to start writing a bunch of stuff down. Not that I don't think writing is a really great way to process. Uh, if, if this is the only way you process, then, I, then go for it. But I would encourage you to like, sit in silence and just listen. Just, just listen. I, I know I don't do this nearly enough. But sit there and just ask him, okay, what do you have? What do you have? And when he starts raising things up, just be praying about that. Okay, what, what would that look like and how would I do that? And at the same time, be making mental notes, but be realizing if God wants you to do something, you're not going to forget it between now and when you get home. And when you do get home, write it down. Invite your community into it. Invite your family. Invite your spouse. 
Invite your friends. This would be a great way for us to step into the year saying, I feel like this, is, this might be what God has for me in 2017. And that way they can be praying with you. So that's what we're going to do right now. And then I love this. We're going we're gonna to end with the table because there is no way that you can accomplish this on your own. There just isn't. God is going to be the is going to have to be the one to do it. But we're going to pray, and then we're going to come to the table after that. So let me let me open us, and then I'm going to give you guys some space. Father, we are humbled by the reality that you chose to come, that you stepped into our world as a baby, lived a full human life. And did all of it because you love us. But the reality is that because you have come, and Pentecost is a reality, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And so, Lord, we beg you that you begin doing the work in our hearts now and, and launch us into this year that we would be able to see what you want to do with us. And so, Lord, we start now. We ask, what do you have for us with our relationships just in that area? if we're married, our spouse, our family, if not, those around us, our relationships, our friends, roommates, community group. God, what, what are you calling us to? Who are you calling us to be in our relationships around us? Father, as we launch into this year, we pray that you would lead us in this. And Lord, we also pray not just for our relationship with others, but our relationship with you. Lord, direct us. What does this year look like as we pursue you? God, there's a lot in how we use our time and money. And so I just pray that this would be the beginning of the ways you are challenging us and inviting us in to more, into freedom. So Lord, as we consider our budgets, our schedules, how do you want us to use our time and our money, Father? Father, there is a lot also to be said about uh, where you're calling us. And Lord, I pray that you would be leading us this year in our jobs, in our, our, our roles, what we, who we are, what we are called to be doing. And Lord, even in what it looks like for us to be living on mission as followers of Jesus Christ in this world. 
We pray that you'd begin now stirring in us and asking the questions and leading us in what you have for us. Jesus, as we invite you into this year, Lord, help us. We can't do this on our own. We need you, Father, desperately to take our hearts, to, uh, to stir in us, to draw us to the things that you have for us. And God, I pray that the work that you're beginning now, that you would be taking that uh, and stretching it and um, following us home and just continually <laughs> pestering our hearts and minds with these things that we would be unable to turn away from the things that you want for us. Lord, we're not confident that these are necessarily uh, easy, but we, we believe they're good and they're a part of your plan and a part of what you have for us and for your kingdom as you continue to advance uh, the gospel in the world. So Lord, we thank you and we commit these things to you and ask that you'd help us in it. Lift them all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, communion servers, you want to come up and grab your uh, the elements. We're going to uh, spend the rest of this time taking communion, inviting, uh, inviting Jesus and the work that he has done into, into what he has for us, into his, uh, into his plans, into um, his work, because it's, it's, about, it's all about him. It's all about him. And, uh, and there's no way we can do it without his help. I mean, there's no way we can do it without looking at the elements, without looking at his body and the cup and saying, you've already done it for us. There's nothing we can offer. Lord, help us to just trust you as we step into this. And we're going to sing a couple more songs. And so we encourage you to spend this time just letting him do the work in your heart and mull around again and again and again. So brothers and sisters, if you... If you know and love Jesus, this is for you. I invite you to the table.